the Weeb Initiative, I'm your host, The Weeb. This is the show where every other week I'll be talking about anime, manga, and everything in between. This week we'll be talking about Burst Angel. This is, um, to me at the very least, this is a kind of a classic. So let's just start, right? First, the stats. So Burst Angel came out in 2004. Um, to be precise, March 2004, and went through September 2004. It has 24 episodes and one OVA that came out in 2007. That kind of retcons maybe uh, shows a, let's say, a different future from what happens in the anime, and it has a manga that came out after the anime to give kind of a prequel to the series so the anime was produced by studio gonzo they probably are not so famous as some of the ones i already covered in the show already but just to name a few of their works right they did f the the first season of fumetto panic they did the whole series for Strike Witches, the second season from Rosario to Vampire, and some other stuff. Akiba Strip Animation, the Bayonetta movie on Netflix, and some others. So, um, let's just start the story. Just before I even start, spoiler alert, as always. I will not be talking about too much of the story, also because it does not have so much of a story. It has more of a, a concept of a story rather than a developed kind of real narrative or plot even. The, so let's start. What's the anime about? Why did I watch Burst Angel? Burst Angel is a story about... Um, let's say a somewhat near near future nowadays so the anime came out in 2004 the only time they actually kind of give a date to what's happening is sometime in the first like six episodes they talk about 2050 so nowadays it's not so far but pretty far still and the thing is, right, so the world has um, has become a cyberpunk dystopia, pretty much it. And I can acknowledge that talking about cyberpunk as a theme in 2022 is kind of overplayed, because ever since t Cyberpunk 2077 came out, the theme has kind of been played to, to its end, so it's overplayed to overused let's say to the ground and everyone has already seen a version of it and all but this one is more of a future punk cyberpunk is more or less the general stuff but they try to 
uh, add a lot of future uh, futuristic kind of stuff in place of the more modern leaning um, a bit of future but more punk of the cyberpunk genre J that's just to say they have mecha battles and that's pretty much it so I will start the story in the manga although the manga has a whole nother not say team but it's a whole nother vibe to the anime the manga just shows the first the main two girls right Meg and Joe as they live in this they never do any world building in the manga so we have to just assume that you already watched the the anime at the, at the point that you are reading it so they live in this dystopian cyberpunk city of Tokyo and for the most part they are broke and they are bounty hunters so for the most part right basically Joe does all the killing and Meg is just the in general Denzel in distress in the manga she has more of a active role as someone with the deceiving kind of more roguish skills but in the whereas in the anime she's way more the Denzel in distress for the for most of the anime anyways so the manga goes through some short stories it's always episodic and it shows their i would say adventures their daily life as taking some kind of job being paid way less than what they actually need to live and for the most part it's just the two of them um and, and this is the thing right what's the relation between joe and meg at this point in the manga, it shows a way more, let's say, more skinship, <laughs> more close uh, relationship in a romantic sense. So you see in the manga that Meg is way more uh, passionate about being with Joe in a romantic sense, whereas where in the anime, uh, for the most part, for like the first two thirds of the anime she kind of shows this more of a friendship kind of stuff but in the manga it seems way more like uh, romantic interest kind of stuff kind of thing and for the most part the manga is just a few episodes about their their lifestyle of getting whatever job they can living with so little money uh, Meg is always the kind of cheap steak um, being worried that they, they are broke at that point and Joe is just outside of the the let's say the battles all the gunfights and all outside of that she's just a slacker she just sleeps and does absolutely nothing but in the when the the guns start firing the she gets serious let's just say it like that um, the manga has this stein that she uses akimbo I would say Wild West revolvers although it never really shows the model of the revolvers you can never really identify because it's a really strange revolver anyways and it's always mentioned that 
it's um it's a really old gun at that point in 2050 they have so many guns way more modern way better than what she uses but still she just uses those and for the most part the manga goes through some episodes that don't have any connection between themselves and towards the end we start to kind of get this vibe where although we don't know in the manga the past of both the girls eventually they start to question the past of joe because she does not remember herself her past so uh, some guys appear to try to kill her and just guys straight out of the comic books let's say the some have really strange powers mutations that kind of cyberpunk stuff one of them turned themselves into a cyborg and that's mostly it in the manga it never really shows anything about her past and eventually the manga comes to the conclusion that they meet the two other main girls that appear in the anime that is Sei and Emi and the manga basically ends up with Sei contracting Joe and Meg to be part of her team it's never specified in the manga but when you watch the anime it all becomes way more clear so going to the anime itself the anime starts pretty let's say pretty um, to build the world right they give some shots of uh, the whole thing so as a cyberpunk dystopia you can expect everything so it's a police state so police is police brutality is a is a touchy subject i will not get into that but a police state implies that the police has most of the control if not all the control they give a whole lot of emphasis to the government side of the police so straight up the police has the the will to to go out and and beat people up people up but the government itself is it's against the their people we have this whole poverty and social divide kind of situation where you can see a lot of people living pretty okay pretty normal and some people really on luxury they never really showed much luxury but you can clearly see that some people have a fairly okay life and some people live in the slums or the sewers and gang violence drugs everything you you can think of in a cyberpunk setting you can find it the first episode comes straight up first things first uh, guns firing at, at this point you can see if you read the manga that it's been some I would say years they never really tell you that but the the you can infer that it's been some years since Joe started working with Sei and Amy and, and Meg is there right but Meg is pretty much useless for the first part of the the whole anime so anyways and basically first episode Joe shows up um shooting Akibo Desert Eagles like it's uh, it's 2009 and we are playing 
Modern Warfare 2. And that's basically it, right? Um, the whole concept of the show is this, I would say, akin to what we tell of a uh, action B-movie. It's this just watch the the spectacle of the explosions and guns and f uh, gunfire and eventually they get to a mecha that simulates what Joe does so uh, Joe has this mecha she sometimes call on that it's called jungle and as her uh, it uses akimbo pistols it's pretty nice, I, I might say. It's uh, a pretty nice concept to the show, at the very least. The, the animation's pretty fine, and that's the that's one one good point. The anime was made in 2004, and it's a really, really early use of the 3D sprite 3D animation in anime, as we see today. And to me, considering the year it was made and the quality it, it, it shows, Verse Andrew is the one show that actually has a fairly good use. They used a lot of 3D animation and still the animation is pretty good. The 3D animation is one of the 3D animations that does not suck absolute ass. The thing is, right, for all the fights that involve the mechas, uh, because not only Joe has a mecha, the the police has a mecha. The, some of the bad guys, most of the bad guys actually, have some sort of mecha or giant transformation. And for the most part, right, um, the animation is pretty decent. It's pretty let's say pretty action focused so they kind of uh you can see the the frames kind of drop towards the the 3d animation parts but still it's pretty well made you can you can see the work there and so going forward on the story right i this is a tangent about the whole 3d animation thing because i i clearly don't <laughs> I, I openly don't like 3D animation and anime in general. But this, this is the one that I give it a pass because it's early and it's pretty well made considering all, everything. So, getting back to the story. So, anyways, the thing about uh, Burst Angel in the first season as we released, the, the anime has 24 episodes. So, so, towards the first 12 episodes, it's pretty, pretty episodic. You would not bring yourself to make any connections between the episodes some of the episodes are pretty much filler just something to add to the whole thing more like a not even as a context but a thing that happened like one one-off story uh, focused on one of the main characters so there's one episode specifically uh, for Amy and later we we get to meet Kohei. Kohei is the one guy that shows up at that point the one guy that shows up in the whole anime because at this point we just have the four girls in the trail in a trailer where they live and Kohei comes comes together to be the um, contracted cook for them because between the four of them, none, none of them actually cook. 
And the thing is, right, uh, there's a whole context behind this all. Why is there a team? Why say contracted Meg and Joe in them as the manga says? So the thing is, say is part of a kind of a secret group. It never really is explained, really. It's kind of a secret group and a corporation, although it's kind of a clan. And anyways, the, the thing is, she's part of this one giant group with uh, some kind of uh, beeline police kind of stuff. So they are more or less, I don't know, private private militia, I would say, maybe that, basically, they eventually are contracted by someone and they have to do something, so it goes from being bodyguards, eliminating someone, basically mercenaries, yes, but the whole group as it, sh it kind of infers, there's a lot of more deals other than just mercenary work, and it's way, way bigger than just um, guns for hire, anyways. So, Sei has this whole group behind her. She's the granddaughter of the um, of the leader of the group. There is one episode where there there is a focus on the the fact that she is the granddaughter of the uh, the chief of this secret group, and f f wait, basically. For the most part, the first 12 episodes are pretty just episodic, just to build the world, to show off the characters. Uh, eventually, we get also introduced to Dino. Dino is the creator of Django, so it's a third-party kind of mechanic. He, from what the anime shows, he works at um, kind of a scrapyard, something like that. And he's a tinker, uh, builder, mechanic, that the whole the whole nine yards, right? And for the most part, the first twelve episodes don't actually show anything about the story. But the one thing that we already make the connection is that every other fight that they either fight uh, get the job to fight the guy. Or stumble into a case where they have to fight. Every time it is connected to the to something with a glowing brain, and for the most of the anime, it never is explained what it is or what it's used for, because every case is different. So one case, it's a mecha being controlled by one of these. The other one is someone being mutated into a monster that has one glowing brain that has uh, like mind control abilities. The other one, the guy is, and, and this is the this is the cyberpunk kind of thing starting right. Uh, there's this one episode I don't remember. It's really early, so I think it's the third episode. I think maybe the so the guy has this norm kind of normal life and all. But he eventually, uh, for one reason or another, starts using some kind of drug. And when he buys the drugs, his his brother finds out. And the drugs he's taking 
are really off the market and from what they explain are actually experimental drugs from one pharmaceutical company and and the the tldr of the whole thing right after consuming the drugs basically um, daily he turns into a monster with a glowing brain that has it never really sh explains but um electrical powers or maybe uh, he can communicate with the with mach machinery it never really is explained the the bulk of the the conclusion of the episode is basically that even though someone mutates into one of these monsters they actually keep their will as a person so although they are mutated some of them can't even communicate anymore or maybe lack or lose the capabilities of something they maintain their personality for better or for worse it comes uh, this comes into play a bit later when the the things start to escalate a little bit and for the most part the as i already said and keep, and keep repeating first 12 episodes basically cyberpunk world building and world building for the series itself so you have a whole lot of things so uh, nanomachines being injected into people to kill them you have gang warfare left and right in the episode specifically you know, focusing oami it shows kind of the what we would call in cyberpunk 2077 the netrunner kind of uh, side of the world and that's basically it so what happens in episode 12 and 13 episode 12 and 13 are is the to me at the very least it's a breath of fresh air in the whole series at that point because to that point we got episodic gunfights episodic uh, skirmishes with bad guys that we don't actually know anything about and it ne it's never explained in episode 12 and 13 we got the um let's say joe is contracted to be the bodyguard of some guy that kind of does i don't know the technical names to that but it's one of those present uh presentation kind of fights that's basically uh, role-playing i don't have really a good example for that but something that I know, I know happens that a lot. It's um, a kind of just role-playing presentation fight, and basically two guys in on different suits just fight it out as one being the villain, one being the hero. That's that's the the basic of it. And Joe is, is tasked with being the bodyguard of the one that's the basically the hero, the star of the show. She goes there to Osaka so they basically operate in Tokyo but she goes to Osaka to bodyguard this guy and eventually the the other guy the guy that plays the villain actually mutates into a monster mid fight in the presentations and the so the the public does does not know or does not notice the fact that he, the guy actually mutated for real and the fight basically kind of 
goes raywire, but Joe kind of does her thing and all, and the public reaction we'd never really see the end of it, because at this point Joe is pursuing a, a monster running away in the sewers, and in the middle of it she stumbles upon the... From what we can see, it's some kind of independent uh, police force for Osaka only. So they kind of show this off in this whole two-episode arc that um, wherein, whereas Tokyo is the cyberpunk center, the this dystopian kind of domin let's say dominated city that has no no escape from this this paradigm they are locked into. Osaka is still a normal city in this dystopian future. So it's the Osaka from now. I don't know if the original authors had uh, a thing for Osaka. I don't I don't really know how the um, this plays out in real life, but it it shows a really good spirit in Osaka of this resistance to uh, this police state, this uh, domination by the the big corpos and the government and all. And the whole arc is basically we being presented to the girl that shows up sometimes. Towards the end, she shows up a lot more. That is Takane. Takane is the daughter of the this police uh, independent police chief, and she's part of the force. Yes, she's the captain of one of the divisions, and basically she shows this unwavering, uh, independent spirit to fight off the the guys who want to dominate them. And to me, this this arc is especially nice because at some point uh, there comes a, a big assault into the Osaka police kind of HQ, and the guys just start ringing out all the guns. And, and this is one thing that I I did not uh, say yet, but Burst Angel for the most part in the first half that we have more human-like opponents and human-like enemies. The guns are pretty good, uh, pretty re well represented, in my opinion. So Joe has two Desert Eagles, which is as iconic as you can get. If the Desert Eagle is the, the icon of everything, so what can you say about Akimbo Desert Eagles? I mean, the Desert Eagle, as a, as a practical weapon, it's pretty bullshit uh, it's it's not practical at all uh, 50 AE from all I can see it's it's pretty bad to daily use and she uses two of them so I mean it, it's just for style right but for the most part the um, guns are pretty well represented there is this one guy at the start that I I really don't know if what he uses is that it's a XM8 or a G36, but it's, it's still it's good to see. They show a lot of shots with pistols, so it's a 1911, 
some something or other from Sig. I don't I don't know. I I'm just I'm just spitballing here. And so about about this one this one episode, right? So they bring out these old ass weapons like uh, a Browning machine gun, RPGs, stingers, and and everything else. And the, there's this one part that they are really getting to the to the end of the rope, right? They already exhausted all the ammo they had in the office, <laughs> and some guy just brings out this RPG with uh, a rocket, but the rocket's uh, it's a fish face, it's a fish head, and there's a guy behind with like charcoal trying to ignite it with the spark it's so funny i i don't know why but i cracked it oh man it may crack me up like i really laughed out loud at that i don't know why it's just nice and also because being um, an older anime they had i f from what i can see liberties that here in 2022 we we don't have anymore so there's this one part in this same arc that someone someone just do a joke on, on the on someone else and they just pull the f flip the finger on them it's i think it's funny it's something that we don't have much anymore if if any we don't have much anymore and it's just it just shows uh personality f from for all, for all it it matters, it shows at the very least personality on the writing, or the presentation of the show. That's my opinion, but that's that. So from back back to the story. So they eventually get the guy, the bad guy, and all. Meg eventually gets uh, captured. At this point, it's like uh, twelve episodes, so it's twelve times. Meg was captured for one reason or another, and ba basically the arc ends with the they like getting the bad guy and seeing that yes the the mech uh, he was piloting was controlled by this glowing brain although there was an actual pilot, so the glowing brain in this inst instance. Um, it's more of a processor, kind of uh, substitute to AI systems and all. It never develops, I'm just inferring from what we can see at this point. So, to moving forward, what do we get? We get this kind of evolution towards the second season, because I think they kind of wanted to start to wrap up things, so they start to show uh tease a bit of before uh, before anything right they do this flashback um episode about megan joe so where the basically to explain that where the manga shows a bit before they meet say am and amy this flashback episode shows like years before they even get to Japan and there is a plot to a uh, plot hole the fact that Joe ends up in the United States before she ends up in Japan although later it's 
they kind of discovered that she would have uh, fallen into the sea near Japan and not even near New York where she eventually lands or they show that she lands. The thing is, right, the, the flashbacks basically a story about how Meg was um, an orphan uh, street girl and she had this group of uh, younger younger kids and they basically just um, stole from people did this kind of um, kind of cheap jobs just to get by leaving the streets and all and eventually someday some uh, one of the kids sees Joe laying on the on uh, on a river, river uh, ocean bank. Uh, you you get what I'm saying, and brings Joe back to the to their home at that point. Right? Yep, home. Uh, air quotes there, and basically from there we we see this adventure where. There is someone trying to kill Joe, as always, as the manga already implies, a whole lot of people want to kill Joe for no apparent reason at that point. But uh, the thing is, right, the kids rescue Joe from the, from the ocean and somehow an assassin appears to kill Joe, but Joe kind of deals with them, more or less. The episode ends with the... With the younger kids uh, becoming kind of adopted by some guy, that it's really only shown on that episode. It's not really uh, story relevant. They they just show that uh, Meg can see that the way she lives is not the good way, and she chooses to let the the kids just live a better life without her. And she sticks to Joe, although Joe at this point don't does not know anything about herself, does not remember her past, and just remember her, remembers her name and how to fight. So moving forward, what happens to, uh, towards the second season is that they start to ramp up really this kind of the glowing brains thing. So they start to show up more and more and if and you can see that it it is chaos so from um, an urban legend it goes to something that attacks a attacks a boarding school to something that actually shows up on the tv to the point that it uh, one glowing brain is used and it's really cryptic at that point because they kind of start to show the guy that is kind of pulling the strings behind it all. They kind of install a giant glowing brain on the, let's say, the main hub for television in Tokyo. So they start to more or less uh, emit what we would call a subliminal message in the programming so people that watch certain channels certain programs uh, eventually get to be controlled by them and that's this is a whole thing right and and you see that the at this point the 
with the evolution of the brains, the this one brain has the capability of sensing that it is in danger, that Joe eventually goes up to it to destroy it, and it tries to threaten uh, all the girls who don't fight, so Meg, Say, and Amy that don't actually directly fight. You can see the evolution there from uh, a general standpoint. The enemy also evolves a bit. And from this point on, we get to the, let's say, the wrapping of the story. So, from episode 16 onward, the enemy kind of really starts to say that, yeah, we are ending it. And from episode, I think it's... 19 forward it is the final arc of the whole anime so episode 16 they present the last uh, main girl from for the series that is maria maria is one of the girls much like joe she kind of shows up as a random opponent but it kind of develops in a way that joe starts to remember uh, her past, more or less, and towards the end of the anime, they do a huge lore dump towards the last two episodes because the this a uh, uh, big detail actually. The last part of the the whole anime actually, it's a whole cycle of recycled scenes from other episodes. The opening, the I would say the ending, but the ending is a whole other thing. They really recycle a whole lot of things they already animated because at the the last episode has a bit more of 3D animation, so I can understand that they kinda use their time more, allocated their time to work on that. But at the same time, it's to me at the very least, it's a sign of. Uh, bad organization or at the very least they got lazy let's say because i really wish they animate animated more on the 3d they used because it's fairly good and at that point i i was just chugging along because i was watching die hard basically and i mean what do you want to see when you watch die hard it's just shoot each other i don't know it's a B-movie for crying out loud, like, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm just here for the girls and the guns. And this is the thing, right? Just a quick addendum. In this anime, they really, really wanted to do the Echi kind of stuff. Although they did not, because uh, from what I gather, either uh, 2004, the this kind of Echi thing we see in every other anime nowadays was not prevalent or they had the let's say the Guren Lagan problem that they are, were in a more kid centric time slot so they could not do everything they wanted although I would say there is the one swimsuit episode that they go to a kind of water park some of the swimsuits really pick the imagination of the of the person let's just keep it at that 
back to the story. So, <laughs> oh boy, back to the story. The the thing is, right? So, at this point, Drew starts to remember her past and everything, and you can see uh, at this point also that the um, the government is really cracking down on on things. So there's this one guy that they I don't think they actually name him. He's the it never really comes out as I don't know if he's the governor of Tokyo or he's the chief of police or both at the same time, but he comes out with this uh, delusions of grandeur of uh, cleaning the city of the trash. So, and when I say cleaning the city of the trash, it's basically mass genocide on poor people and people living in the streets and people they don't like and everything else so yeah things start to escalate a bit towards the episode 19 episode 20 21 22 and 23 and 24 24 i will not talk about episode 24 i don't like the ending i i just don't like the ending uh so towards the end of the the anime you can see that a whole lot of things start to roll out so basically the government starts to crack down on everything the random guy pulling the strings from behind this whole glowing brain kind of stuff he eventually kills the original governor of tokyo and becomes the governor himself to implement this whole technology of the glowing brains uh let's say legally at this point because every other case with the glowing brains was kind of an experiment it never really shows what the experiment was about it just says that and basically everything starts to kind of fall together to end the the anime so eventually say gets betrayed by the group she's she has behind her because uh, as leadership changed because her grandfather was hospitalized the new guy the new let's say the new chief uh, got involved with the police and the government and kind of merged with the guy pulling the strings from behind there's that and then they disassemble the team so they go their separate ways for for they it seems like it was weeks but i would say it was at very least i don't know man five days the thing is right they go each other for their different things and in the meantime maria comes back captures joe because they do this whole info dump so joe actually was uh, an artificial, uh, let's say, eugenic kind of offspring, because apparently the um, whole pharmaceutical thing that was creating the glowing rings and all was trying to create uh, super soldiers from special genes and programming, and the the whole nine yards about uh, creating super soldiers that from people just need to be soldiers and everything and joe was one of them maria was one of them at some point they had this um whole battle royale 
to actually become the prototype for what they call the Genocide Angels. It was the corny name they chose for their uh, killing machines in human form. But for they did the Battle Royale and Joe eventually ends up going at, into the sea and drifting away to New York. Although they say the... The whole thing was in the in a place in the Pacific, so it never really makes much sense because to get from the Pacific to New York, you would need to do the rounds, <laughs> do a whole round actually, uh, even to through the Panama Canal. The, the thing is, right, the, it is messed up. There, there is a plot hole there, but. There, then there's this whole in, uh, Lord Dump, Maria and Joe fight. Joe kind of wins, kind of doesn't. And uh, Maria at the very, sec very last second, she kind of breaks out of the programming. She understands that there's more to life than fighting. And then she dies. <laughs> That's basically it. And then we get to episode 24, I will not talk about it. I don't like it. Oh boy, I hate it. I hate it. I will not be talking about, about the OVA also because, one, I could not find it. At the very least, I could not find it subbed. Nor dubbed, actually. It's fairly difficult, actually, to find it nowadays. The thing is, I, I did not find it to, to watch and I could not be bothered because I don't like the ending, but to retcon the ending would be also a disservice to the enemy, in my humble opinion. So now that I talked about all the story, let's just wrap it up with my opinion. The thing about Bakuretsu Tenchi burst Angel, oh, what's my opinion about it? It's really good to see a point in, in the history of anime that we could just see anime for entertainment so as i said it's like watching things like die hard it's a b action movie i'm just there to watch explosions gunfire blood and I do the eventual punch or the headbutt you know what i'm saying the thing is there's not much story if you analyze it too deeply you may be even disappointed at, at some point, but the thing is, right, the anime itself, it's pretty competent. The It shows up with a promise of nothing and ends up with pretty much nothing, but the experience is pretty good, the journey is better than the ending. And to me that's pretty okay. As I said, the animation for the 3D part, it's pretty well made for the time, and considering everything, to, in my opinion, it's way better than a whole lot of things we see nowadays. Uh, looking at you, love life. Uh, the thing is, the anime is just good. It's just um, a hodgepodge of aesthetic decisions that I like. Akimbo, Akimbo Desert Eagles, man. That that's the that's the sauce. That's the sauce right there. 50 BMG, more like 22 long rifle. Uh, I, I think it's awesome. I, I think it's not, it's pretty nice. Uh, watching again, 
seeing all the cyberpunk world building really uh, added something. I think it's... Although you infer a whole lot of things, they don't actually say anything. So uh, let's say at the very least 50% of the work has been made by me rather than the, the guys doing the show. The anime is just good. That's the TLDR of the whole thing. It's a perfect, competent 7, considering year, studio, and production. It's a competent 7 in all regards. About... Would I recommend it? I mean, sure. If you can, watch it. Have... I mean, I wasted 24 episodes way worse than this. It's pretty competent. I, if you can watch it, it's pretty good. The manga is really just an extra. Actually, the it's not really really necessary to read the manga. The manga has just 17 chapters, and that's basically it. That's basically it. So, so after this nearly one hour of me rambling about an anime from 2004, if you like. The show if you like what I do, if you like me talking, uh, please follow, give it a like, join the Discord. If you are on YouTube, please subscribe. Every other week I'll be here talking about anime and manga, and I'll see you next time. Bye.